You're listening to Talk with Renee Dallow, episode 174, Talk About Glass Ceilings with Erica Rooney. Erica Rooney is an executive coach and consultant, chief people officer, C-suite whisperer, wife, mom, entrepreneur, and fitness fanatic. She's on a mission to help anyone she meets break out of their sticky floors and bust through the glass ceiling to live a life filled with purpose, passion, and peace. Creator and host of the podcast, From Now to Next, Erica explores limiting beliefs that keep you trapped in your own sticky floors, helps others redefine success, and chase after big and bold dreams. As a top culture expert, Erica invigorates and educates organizations through change, driving a positive experience for employees, and guiding executives through the process of change to lead to massive success. Today, she is with us to inspire us to action. You are going to love this episode. So friends, go grab your coffee, grab your tea, and let's talk it out. Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, biz chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every week for no BS real talk from industry experts that want to help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi addict, Renee Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk it out. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. It is me, your girl, your host, Renee Dallow, here this week with Erica Rooney. Erica, how the hell are you? Oh, you know what? I am super pumped to be here, and I am actually... It's my birthday, so I'm having a great day. No way. Happy birthday. birthday. Well, listen, I'm very honored that you chose to spend your precious birthday time with us today. My goodness. Absolutely. I'm super excited to be here. Me too. So our topic is is one of my favorites, actually. And I, even as I say it's one of my favorites, there's a little voice in the back of my head that's like, really, Renee, this is your favorite thing to talk about? <laughs> because like the fact that we are even still talking about it, frankly, makes me mad. <laughs> Yeah, but I also know that it is necessary. So we're talking about glass ceilings and sticky floors, and you know, my my like Renee brain immediately goes to like glass ceiling. It goes to like that election a couple of years ago that shall not be named. So like, uh-huh. you know, not that we're gonna go there today, guys. Don't, don't worry. But I am drinking out of my Hillary Clinton glass, so I'm just gonna leave it at that. My little homage today, Erica. Why is this topic so important to you? Oh my God. Well, for all of the reasons that you just stated, right? Like it is, it should not be an issue today, but it's very much is right. And there was a stat from the world economic forum that I could not get over. And it was that it's going to take 132 years for equal pay. When you're talking about 132 freaking years. And I was like, I'm not going to see that in my lifetime. My kid is not going to see that in her lifetime. Like this is bullshit. And that just like, it felt like I got punched in the chest when you said yes. that. Yeah. And, you know, I'm in HR, so I do have the privilege of seeing an entire organization's salaries, of talking with women about their pay, and, and also as an executive coach in, in walking women through advocating for themselves and their pay. And I realized how far we do still have to go. And yes, we have come leaps and bounds and we've made great strides, but we are still so far behind where we need to be. And when I talk about glass ceilings and sticky floors, and I know the facts behind it, that it is going to take 132 years for gender pay. I feel like I could do two things. I could either sit here and say, like, this is bullshit. I'm never going to get paid equally. Like I give up. Or I can say, I'm going to do something about it. Right? Like, what can I do about this? 
And that's why I pour my, my passion projects into being a gender equality crusader. Like I want women to do everything they can within their power to make a change. And I want them to understand that they have the ability to do that sometimes. And what that is, is by getting out of our own sticky floors that hold us back. Yeah. And those sticky floors are the limiting beliefs that we tell ourselves, like imposter syndrome, perfectionism, knowing your worth and your value is a huge one that I see in the women I work with. Uh, but it also extends to toxic behaviors, toxic relationships, and different things that we surround ourselves with that we don't necessarily realize is impacting us, but it's yeah. really keeping us back. So, what are some of those things that we don't realize? Oh my gosh. I mean, for me, one of mine, honestly, and some people may hate to hear this, but it was honestly wine. <laughs> like, I Oh yeah. It. Oh yeah. Yeah. I but, stopped drinking a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I know there are people out there who will, who will, you know, give up sugar and all the electricity for God's sake, but just hold on to their wine. <laughs> but when I quit drinking wine, I became so much more clear. I became a better leader. I became a better mother. I became a better colleague. That's when mm -hmm. things really started happening to, for me, yeah. you know, because I had the brain capacity to really do all of the things. So any kind of addiction, right? Social media, that's another big one. The hours that we spend scrolling through and comparing somebody's Instagram page with our entire lives, right? That oh, also yeah. our self-worth. I see, you know, I don't know, bikini mom, one, two, three, who can create these beautiful organic meals that have, you know, vegan everything. And she reads to her kids every night and she never yells and she has a six pack, right? That makes me feel like shit because right. I don't do any of those things. Right. <laughs> and so those are all kind of toxic behaviors that we find ourselves like spiraling down with when we can, we have the control to get out of there. It's up to us. Yep. I think it's an interesting lens to look through when you think about all the things we do for ourselves that we think are soothing and or comforting, like the wine, like the scrolling TikTok, you know, like the consuming Instagram, because we're like, well, I'm in, you don't say this to yourself, right? But in, you're numbing yourself out, right? And it feels good in the moment. But when you take the wider lens to your life, <laughs> you're like, Absolutely. oh, oh, hey, why didn't I get any of those things that I wanted to get in quarter one? Oh, because I wasted my life in in theory, you know, like scrolling and 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 sipping and, and doing all these things to make myself feel better when maybe the thing that would have made you feel better is launching the thing, creating the course, writing the book, go, getting on the Peloton, you know? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love how you put like scrolling and sipping. I actually scribbled that down. <laughs> That I just is, made it up, Erica, for you. You can steal it. Exactly. Steal it. But when I think about the hours of my life I've wasted scrolling through, like you said, TikTok, I will, I will go down that TikTok drink so fast, girl. Mm -hmm. It's like you mm -hmm. have to be mindful of what you're doing. And I've actually started keeping track of how many um, books I've read and stuff. And one of my goals this year was to be less focused on social media, yeah. you know, unless I am intentional behind it. And I have already read like 13 books this year. That's you know, amazing. Good for you. Not spending 30 minutes scrolling through TikTok, gaining nothing but a numbing sensation for a little bit. Yes, that's right. You know, it's interesting. I took Marie Forleo's Time Genius course a couple mm. of weeks ago, which I highly recommend. I'm also working on a time management section for my membership um, that launches this month. Uh, and one of the things that Marie says that I've started to do, I put it into practice because I wanted to see if it would help is 
Marie's whole thing is create before you consume, right? So if, if you really, if you're, if you cannot live without scrolling that TikTok, then you better create something before you get on TikTok. And it could be anything, right? You could create breakfast, you could create a journal entry, you can create anything, but you have to create something before you pick up the phone because I was not realizing, and I'm sorry if this is getting a little bit off topic, but I did not realize, really realize that the first thing I do every morning is reach for my phone. Absolutely. And I think like the, the stat is like 95% of people do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And here's the thing, like what is beautiful about this topic, Renee, is you're not getting off topic at all by that, right? Because <laughs> every morning when you wake up and you're reaching for that phone, you are tending to other people's needs first. You're seeing what other people are yep. doing. Whatever that is, is now flooding your thoughts, right? However you choose to consume that. And, and quite often, a lot of these limiting beliefs that we have that lie below our surface, we don't even realize that, that they're there, right? Yep. So you may be instantaneously exposed to people that you start comparing yourself to, you know, you start focusing on what they're doing. You become concerned more with their lives versus like, hey, what are the three things that I want to tackle today? I'm going to make yes. a list and I'm going to journal out the three things that I want to get done today and prioritize, right? Your yeah. brain is completely off in a different direction and you don't even realize it. So it it's absolutely so is on topic with the things that are within our control to bust through the glass ceiling, right? You, you either pick up that phone, make no progress towards your goal, you're distracted, you know, off topic, all of those things, or you focus on yourself and your growth and what you want to do that day. 100%. So I want to talk a little bit about imposter syndrome, because I know that's one of your hot topics. It's one of mine as well. Yeah. Talk to me about your relationship with imposter syndrome. So what I find interesting about imposter syndrome is there are two sides to the imposter syndrome debate, right? We have the side where women are, I absolutely feel this, you know, 100%. And then you have people who are like, stop telling women they have imposter syndrome, you're just putting another thing on us. And my whole idea about that is you do you. If you yeah. don't feel like you have imposter syndrome, <laughs> fucking rock on, you know, like yeah. get after it, live your badass life. But if you are like me and you are maybe the youngest executive and the newest executive on a team, you might feel that way, right? And you might notice yourself holding back. And I had the most amazing experience. This was not too long ago. I went to a boot camp for keynote speakers because it is an area of my business that I really want to focus on in 2023. And I was super pumped to go, didn't know anybody going, walked into their happy hour and immediately realized that everybody here knew everybody else. They'd been oh, to this boot camp several yep. times. The, everyone here did this for a living already. And immediately I started thinking like, what am I doing here? I'm just a teenager <laughs> who uh -huh. wants to, like literally those thoughts started going through my head. And I am a kind of person, I love talking to people. That's why I have my own damn podcast because I love to talk to people, right? Me too, girl. <laughs> and I found myself just itching to get out of there. I was like, I can't wait to go back to my room. Like, oh my God, I am in the wrong place. Why am I here? Like, what am I going to do? Yeah. And, and as soon as it became an acceptable time for me to like leave without it being weird, I left. And as I was riding in the elevator up to my room, I just had the epiphany of like, girl, you are having imposter syndrome right now. This is it. This is what it is. Yes. And I stopped and I thought about that and I was like, holy shit, I really am. Like I do deserve to be here. Yeah. Everybody has to start at the starting line at some point. And like, 
one day you will be where they all are. It's just not today, but like, yes, we deserve to be here. And in that moment, I made a decision and I said to myself, you can go about this weekend in two ways. You can either go to all of the meetings, learn, take your notes, absorb as much as you can and go home. Or you can go to this meeting and give it your all. You can go all out. You can volunteer to speak up when they ask for volunteers and you can put yourself the hell out there. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to put myself out there. And, and how did it go? Oh my God. Amazingly. <laughs> Love it. Amazing. Like I got up there and I gave a piece of my speech and people started cheering. They started coming up to me afterwards. It gave people an invitation and a reason to come speak to me. And it made my ability to network so much more impactful, but it didn't have to go that way. Right. I could have sat there and played small. It's true. For me, imposter syndrome is a very real thing. And if you are not, in tune with how you are physically feeling, how you are thinking, the thoughts that you are saying, you know, like I said to you, I was literally itching to get out of there. Like I was, I felt the anxiousness inside of me. Pay attention to those cues because when you pay to them, you can start to think through it. And the women that I work with, I have a three-step framework to get out of your sticky floors. The first one being name it. And everybody's like, okay, Eric, well, if I knew what it was, I wouldn't do it, right? (laughs) It's like, well, sometimes, right? But you have to be able to name it. And when you name it, you can question it. And that's exactly what I did. I was like, Erica, is this true? Well, the answer was, yeah, it is kind of true, right? Everybody had more experience than me. The next question I always ask is, is it helpful? And the answer is no, right? Like, it is not helpful for me to be having those thoughts. And I can start to question my mindset around that. And then the third step is shifting it. And looking at those two options that I have and shifting my mindset so that I can choose what path I want to take. I can choose to remain stuck or I can choose to break free from those sticky floors. I love it. I love it. And you know what's so funny, Erica, is I had a very similar situation when my public speaking coach did this like intensive weekend in Vegas. This was many years ago. This was like, gosh, I think it was probably 2017. And I went because I was like, well, I, I'm you know, I, at that point I hadn't spoke at wedding MBA yet, but I was about to, and I was like, I just want some more training. I walked into that room and there was not a single soul that I knew. They all, they all knew each other. And furthermore, when they all got up to say what they did, they were like scientists, someone running for office. Like these women were amazing. And then it got to me and I was like, I was like, what am I going to say? I'm just a wedding planner. Right. Mm. But the thing that, the thing that I was feeling imposter syndrome about, like the, who am I? I don't belong here. I'm just a wedding planner. Right. A phrase that if I said now, I'd punch myself in the head. Exactly. But, um, but I got up and I said, I said the truth. I said, this is the, I'm here because I'm about to speak in the biggest conference in my industry and I'm nervous. And I used to be an actor and I'm pretty good at public speaking, but I don't know what I don't know. Do you know that almost every single woman there, it was like 50 women total, came up to me and they were like, so you're in weddings. That's so interesting. Like, oh my God. I was going to say, I bet everybody loved it. Yeah. The thing that I thought made me less than actually made me interesting for people. And when I actually spoke to these women about like, what am I talking about? What's the heart of it? We all have, we all had the same sort of heart, you know, like they were like, well, what do you talk about? And I was like, well, I talk about sales and charging what you're worth and, you know, really going for it and being authentically you. And they're like, oh yeah, I talk about that too. And I was like, so really on the inside, we're kind of all the same. It's just, you have to get over that initial thing. And, you know, as I was listening to your story, I, I kept thinking, now I sort of embrace that, that sort of sensation when I feel it in my body, because I know that that means I'm growing. If I feel super comfortable in a place, 
um, I, you know, that's a good, that's a good feeling. Sure. But there's no growth there, at least Absolutely. not as much as there can be if I'm feeling like I'm stretching. Right. Absolutely. And that is such a great way to go about it is like, if I'm not feeling a little bit nervous and anxious, I'm not pushing myself enough, you know, and that, yeah, if that's I'm being too safe, on, you know, right. With a growth mindset, but you know, for me, imposter syndrome, it's not necessarily the choice to feel it, right? Like you're going to feel your feelings and there's nothing wrong with feeling it, but your choice is what you do with that, right? Do you stay exactly. small or do you play big? Right. Uh, playing big is one of my favorite books in the whole world. Let's talk a little about the fear of judgment and the fear of failure, because for me, at different parts of my life, like I've also had fear of success, like back when I was an actor, right? Like, so I think we, depending on what, what, what you're doing, what you're risking, I think people have experienced, you know, different levels of this, but do you think judgment and failure are, you know, the two sides of the coin? I think that everybody wants to belong, right? And so when we have this immense feeling of judgment, and like we feel judged for being failures and all of that, like it, it is this reaction inside of us to try to protect that sense of belonging. Yeah. And it's such a complex emotion because it also ties in with shame and knowing your value and, and how you view failure, right? There are people out right. there that view every failure as a lesson, as cheesy as that sounds. And then there are people out there <laughs> who, from a very young age, we're like berated for, you know, not getting a hundred on a math test. Right. You know, so it's very much real. And this whole, like wanting to belong is so important to every single human being. Like it is one of our basic functions and desires as a human is to be psychologically safe. Yeah. And, you know, it all depends on your upbringing and how you're raised. So it was a very long winded, you know. No, but you're right. It's, it's not such a black and white answer, you know but it's so complicated it is complicated i feel like when i was growing up there was a lot of pressure on me i was an only child and to very young parents so there was a lot of pressure on me to be easy to not be a problem right mm. and that sort of manifested in straight a student hilariously now that people know me as an adult i was pretty quiet um, i was i was chatty but i wasn't i didn't like take up a lot of space to be honest i was just like trying to be easy you know and so that manifested in my entrepreneurship as sort of go along with the flow at the beginning, yeah. right? Just do what everyone else is doing. Just assimilate, just be what they want you to be. And then I got super bored of that and I found my voice and I was like, well, fuck that. I, that's dumb. And I, I'm bored and I don't want to do this anymore. But I will say that, you know, there's that, there's that old saying like new level, new devil. As mm -hmm. I grow in my business and grow and we launch things like this month, we launched the membership. There were many times in developing this membership, Erica, that I was like, oh, no one's going to want this. Why am I wasting my time? I shouldn't do it. Like yeah. I almost talked myself out of it like three, like three times. But honestly, the truth of it is that because I've done so much work on myself over the years, that the risk of not putting something out into the world and therefore not impacting people felt far worse to me than the risk of it not succeeding. Well, here's the thing, Renee, right? you could put this out there and it could like totally suck <laughs> you know for sure it for could, sure right that's a possibility but if you don't put something out there you're never going to get better at it right exactly. like you're, you're never going to improve this to be something that people want if you don't try right exactly now you can put it out there and you know i have all the faith in the world and you it's going to be amazing right but 
to be successful and grow and challenge yourself, right? Right now, you don't know which way it could go. It could be really great or it could totally bomb. But as an entrepreneur, you have to be that person to show up and say, you know what? I'm okay if it bombs. Like if it bombs and nobody buys this and it sucks, like that's okay. Now I know what the people don't want and I'm one step closer to knowing what they do want. Exactly. And that's the difference between people who succeed and people who stay small. I also think, I totally agree with you. And I also think that I don't anymore, I don't tie my self-worth to what I can produce in as closely as I used to. <laughs> You know, especially yeah. as a wedding planner, when I was only planning weddings and I didn't have the education brand and I wasn't a public speaker and I didn't have a podcast, all of my eggs were in that wedding planning basket. So if something happened that didn't go 100% correctly or there was a, you know, a kind of a, a weird conversation or something, I would replay it in my head for weeks, but I just don't have that time anymore. And also I don't take it so personally anymore. <laughs> it's all, it's all just, I want to say it's a numbers game because that makes it sound so uh, like transactional and not and not important, but it is just like when you're putting a lot of stuff out there. Yeah, some things probably aren't going to hit everyone at the same way. Like that's just numbers, right? But you can just keep trying. I think that's the the thing that I always go back to. It's like, well, I can't not try. I have to just keep trying. And I think that's where we get into that fear of judgment or fear fear of failure, where people don't do anything at all and then they just stay stuck. Well, and I will also tell you this too, what is very hard for high achieving individuals is typically for the first chunk of our lives, we don't fail, right? We're getting good grades in school. We're right. making it honorable. <laughs> We're getting the internship. We're landing the job, right? Uh -huh. I mean, story as well, like I flew through school. I was always on an honor roll report. I got into my college, you know, all of the things. And so when I finally hit that first bump in the road, it's like, well, what the fuck is this? What do you mean? <laughs> like, I didn't yeah. that work out for me. Things always work out for me, right? right. And right. that's why I love salespeople. And I think everybody should be in sales at some point in their life is because if you're in sales, you're told no every single day, right? Like right. you are told straight up, no, stop emailing me, don't talk to me again. And they never quit, they keep going. You know, and so you've got to take that type of mentality that, you know, it's not all going to be for you, you know, no. and, and you're going to have to learn how to deal with those bumps and every no does bring you closer to a different yes. It's so true. It's, I'm just laughing, Erica, because it's like high achieving child becomes an actress <laughs> and is told no multiple times a day. For I was like going to say, years. you didn't really set yeah. yourself up there, did you? <laughs> well, cause you know what? It did, it did not, the inevitability of my success was never a question because I was such a high achieving child that it was like, well, of course everything's going to be fine. Like people would tell me horror stories about be like, oh my God, don't be an actor. You're going to be broke. And I'd be like, no, 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 that's not going to happen to me. Like I really truly had that much sort of confidence in it because like you said, it, it, everything had always sort of worked out. Yeah. Yeah. Love it wasn't it. actually what happened. I mean, there were plenty of hard times, but um, but it, I mean, it wasn't as bad as some other people told me, but, but that's just because I think my perception of it was different, right? I perceived it as this is just part of it. We just keep moving, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. So interesting. I know. Um, 
let's talk about perfectionism because especially for my listeners in the wedding industry of which there are many oh god bless i feel like this is a big topic it's a huge <laughs> topic and honestly if i you know if, to be super frank with everyone this is a topic i've tried to pitch at many different conferences and I, it, the, the topic itself keeps getting rejected and i think it's so interesting that the wedding industry doesn't want to talk about the problem we have with perfectionism because we literally some of us not me promise it on our goddamn websites yeah what the hell it's your perfect yeah. day okay that's not okay it's not gonna happen but okay like we're setting ourselves up for ultimate failure here so let me hear your take on perfectionism oh my gosh i'm like so just i didn't even think about before talking with you about the wedding season and days and perfectionism and all that and it, and it shouldn't be that because i don't know anyone that's had a wedding go off without a flaw somewhere something happens i mean listen there are literal companies erica called your perfect day events God, that that's giving me anxiety to be honest <laughs> It gives me anxiety. I'm as well. feeling really anxious right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's too much. It's too much. And it's so interesting because my own story with perfectionism is I would have never said I had it, right? Oh, but then I, I actually realized that I was having perfectionism in certain areas of my life when I was doing an interview on my podcast with another woman. And she was talking to me about her experience. And I was like, oh my God, me too. Oh my God, me too. And then I was like, holy shit, I have a problem with perfectionism and I didn't even know it, you know? And mine came in the form of fitness. And that was because before I got into HR, I was in the fitness industry and I had this long ingrained belief that like you had to do 30 minutes of cardio a day and you had to do strength training. And like, if you couldn't do that, it wasn't going to be a good workout. So like, why do it? which resulted in me not having an hour, many days, just not doing anything, you know, mm -hmm. and telling myself I would reset the next day or Monday or whatever. And then I would have my husband on the flip side who would come up to our home gym and be like, I only have 15 minutes. I'm going to bang it out. Let's go. And he would do 15 minutes. And I remember looking at him being like, you are such an idiot. That's not doing anything. <laughs> and then we'd get to the end of the week and he'd have a whole hour of exercise in and I'd have nothing, you know? Oh, Erica, I feel like you're like, you're speaking directly to me. Oh my gosh. So now, the Peloton is just sitting out there and I'll tell you right now that if I'm like, well, we have time for 15 minute ride, I may as well not do it. I say that almost every day. 100%. 100%. Oh my God. You're calling me out. I mean, I'm, I'm here call, for it, but Listen, damn. I have to call my own ass out. So I call myself <laughs> out and, and every time now I feel that thought creep in, right? Where it's like, well, I can't do my usual. I force myself to do something. Because yeah. that is when I know I'm starting to get back into that sticky floor. But thinking about, you know, the wedding industry and all of that and how we all expect these levels of perfection throughout our lives, right? I think that we need to go deeper and be like, it is not these tangible things that make the day perfect, right? Especially like the wedding industry. It's not about if you got daisies or roses, you know, you're not going to remember yeah. that in 25 years. No. It's going to be about the feelings that were there, right? And the exactly. people who were there. It's, you know, and I remember when I got married, I had someone tell me one time, like, when you're really evaluating the things that you should be paying for <laughs> versus not paying for, like, think about the things you're going to remember in 25 years. Think about the things that are going to matter. And those are going to be the things you want to invest in, right? It's really true. If you show up on your big day and you've got, you know, a pink daisy, do they even make pink daisies? I don't know. But if you they have a pink, but I'll let it slide. I'm just <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at my birthday flowers and there's some sort of pink flower there. But if you get a pink daisy and you wanted a fuchsia one, 
nobody's going to notice, you know? And instead of mm. spiraling down that perfectionism trail where you are just all focused on this pink daisy that no one else sees, you are losing sight of everything else around you. It's you know, so so true. It can be so just constricting, you know? And if you give yourself the freedom to go with the flow and accept less than perfect, you are going to have so much more fullness and enrichment in your life. I agree. And also before I get emails, I realize that I misspoke. There is a pink Ger Gerber Daisy. <laughs> I just don't like them. So I don't get them They're not in my brain, <laughs> but yes, there are pink daisies. You guys don't send me emails. Oh gosh, but yes. send me emails about We mistakes. need the wedding industry to get on board and like, really focus on what makes a perfect day perfect and it is not the color of your flowers it is not if the sun is shining or not you know exactly because you're gonna get what you're gonna get exactly you know something a few years ago amy porterfield was had had a guest on her podcast and this was back when i was um creating my first course and she said something that really stuck with me and I had such a hard time with it at first. And this is how I know it was meant for me because when I hear something and it really like ruffles me, I'm like, oh, there's probably something underneath that. She said, it's really okay to put out B plus work. And I remember being like, no, absolutely. It is not okay. Yeah. Like I would never, but the point that this person was trying to make, I wish I could remember her name at this moment in time was that like, for most of us, our B plus work is far better than most people's regular work. <laughs> so putting out B plus work at first and then iterating, making it better, improving, getting feedback from your audience, you know what I mean? Like doing that sort of work is much better than never putting anything out in the, into the world because it's not quote unquote perfect. That is something I've taken to heart. And that is something I've learned to, uh, I don't wanna say live with, cause it sounds like I'm settling, but that's something I've really embraced in the last couple of years because if you're, if you're working at a high level and you're doing a lot of things, which everyone loves to tell me I'm doing, then yeah, you're going to have to put out some B plus stuff at first and then make it better with feedback from people who are using the thing, you know? Well, and, and if you want to relate this back to my original industry, the fitness industry, right? Those people mm -hmm. who have to walk their miles because they can't run yet. They're yes. laughing at on the couch. Ugh. You know, oh, and so there is power in taking those baby steps forward. And there is power in running a ridiculously ugly mile or crawling that mile or putting out a course that has spelling errors, you know, because again, you can't get better at something that you didn't try at. It's true. I, I saw an Instagram ad the other day. I think it was for the passion planner. Uh, where, and, and the ad was so, it was so clever, this ad, because it said um, our first planner had 26 errors in it. Happy seven years. <laughs> it was like their seven year anniversary. And I thought, how clever, right? Because it's like this, this planner, which is huge and seven years old. And, and uh, you know, I would assume a multi-million dollar company now, you know, their first version had 26 spelling errors. And that's, and that's just going to happen sometimes, you know? Another great story that I love when it talks about progress over perfection is um, one of my friends in the speaking industry wrote a book and there's like six iterations of this book out because he kept finding errors in them, you know, and paid an editor and there's still errors. And as he was doing the audible recording for it, he found two more errors and he's like, are you kidding me? But what makes this story so fabulous is that inside his book, when talking about progress over perfection, he says, there's probably two spelling, two errors in this book. 
And then he, as he's reading them, he finds them. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, listen, I give a keynote talk about the power of language where I talk about limiting language, right? Like actually yeah. like the, but I, I say in the presentation, I've, I've, I'm pretty sure I've used some of these today in this talk. That's how pervasive it is. Like I use myself as an example, like even I'm not perfect and I'm up here teaching this. Absolutely. It just is what it is, you know? We must just embrace it and move forward. That's right. So how do we get over the fear though? Like, how do we get over the fear of, of staying small, of staying stuck, or sorry, not even the fear of, but like the fear that allows us to, right? And then we end up small and stuck. Yeah, so I really do believe in doing it scared, right? But that is Me a too. big ask, you know? And somebody, for example, let's take keynote speaking, who's never spoken in front of an audience before, is not going to be comfortable just being like, you know what, yeah, I'll get up on stage in front of 500 people. They're gonna have a panic attack upon the stage, right? Like, yeah. it's starting very small, you know? And if it is something like keynote speaking, start by reporting a podcast with somebody, you know? Start by just even talking about your fear of public speaking with somebody, right? Because when we talk about these things, it takes the power away from them. It takes the power away from these sticky floors. And so it's so important to just start wherever you can and pay attention to that body, what it is telling you. If you're starting to feel the anxiety, if you're starting to feel a little stressed, you're probably doing the right thing. But start small because every time you do that little small thing, it builds a little bit of confidence. So you can do something just a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. I agree. I, I it's funny, you know, do it scared has always been my my mantra as well. And when you yep. said that's a really big ask, I, I was like, oh, I guess it is, right? Because once you do it a couple of times, <laughs> it, doesn't it doesn't feel like it. <laughs> it doesn't feel so big anymore. It just feels like, oh, this is okay. Yeah, I know what this feels like. This is unknown, but we'll uh, eventually we'll know because we'll put it out in the world and people will tell us. <laughs> you know what I mean? So Absolutely. The, the 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 doing it scared doesn't last very long. I'll say that at least for me, right? The doing it scared. Uh, when I'm working, I'm not scared. You know, when I'm when I'm launching something, I'm scared, and then it goes away. You live with it. You, you figure it out. You do it and you move on. What I find so important too is one of my core values is courage. And it means asking myself all of the time, am I doing the courageous thing, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes that means, am I having the hard conversation? Sometimes it means, am I being vulnerable? Sometimes it means, am I raising my hand in this keynote speaking boot camp to put myself out there, right? Yes. And so there are those times that I catch myself kind of hesitating or feeling that anxious feeling all in my body. And I have to ask myself, Erica, are you doing the courageous thing? And because courage is one of my core values, if I'm being real honest with myself and I'm like, no, no, you're not really Erica, then I know I need to switch my course yeah. because I'm not living according to my values. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah, courage is not one of my core values. Now I feel like maybe it should be. <laughs> you know what? I love doing values work with people because whenever you, nobody's going to say, no, that's not a core value of mine, you know, because every core value sounds great, right? Right. <laughs> we want to be all those things, but we can't. And so it's finding the ones that are, but like one of yours is doing it scared, I'm sure, right? Like oh, doing yeah. the work. So oh, it's yeah. in there somewhere for you, but it's so fun because I'll tell people, you know, about courage and they're like, well, damn, maybe I should change mine. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. Yeah, no, I believe in do it scared. And I also believe, you know, do it before you do it before you think you're ready because mm -hmm. so much of our thinking that we're ready is just bullshit. 
We're never ready. Newsflash. No, no <laughs> one's ever ready. And the thing is, if you if you wait for this perfect time, perfect day, perfect month, there is literally no such thing. You just have to go. You just have to get into action. Because I've never, I mean, like you said earlier, you know, I've never gotten anywhere sitting on my couch. <laughs> it's no. Just, that's not how we get things in life. That's not how we... That's not how we get success or, or joy or anything, fulfillment. It's just, you, we're not gonna get it sitting at home, you know, binging New Girl, even though I'd love if that if that were true. I would love if that possible. would be the case. I have one story that it may be a little bit out of left field, but I feel like it is pertinent here. And so when I was in labor with my first kid, I had to be induced, I went into the hospital. I'm like, okay, whatever. And at some point in the labor, his heart rate like plummeted. And the nurses like all flew in the room. The alarms were all going off. My husband's pushed to the side and this nurse got in my face. And she's like, if this situation doesn't change in the next 10 seconds, we are taking you for a C-section right now. And I just wow. looked at her and I was like, okay. And she yeah. looks at me and she was like, so you're okay with that? And I'm like, well, I mean, we just got to kind of do what we got to do here. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they ended up just like moving my legs. His heart rate came back up and I didn't have to go through that, but it was so, and she came up to me later and she said, I really believe that because you were so willing to just accept a change in course to do what you had to do and, you know, just do it scared that everything worked out. She's like, because I have done this millions of times a day with other women and they don't respond like this and they have to get a C-section, but you didn't. Interesting. And she was like, yeah. yeah. And I thought that was so interesting because I just kind of looked at her and I was like, well, what the hell was I going to do? You know, <laughs> I'm just having a baby over here. I don't know. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's already begun. I'm not really sure how much I can control here. Yeah, I yeah. can't go backwards here. <laughs> but I found it to be so interesting because she said, literally, it was like almost like my approach to the problem and just being willing to do whatever I had to do kind of took the problem away. Yeah. It's true. I mean, I, I think the more I do self-development work and the, you know, I'm a certified life coach now and I'm all in that sort of wellness area as well now. And like, just the more I hear, more I talk to people about the connection between our mind and our body, it's like, you know, we're not just like brains on a stick here, people like it's, it's all connected. So you're, yeah, I, I really do. I believe that nurse, your reaction in that moment, your willingness to go with the flow, you didn't put your body into further stress by immediately reacting like, like it was a threat, you know, you were like, you kept calm and, and I mean, honestly, you saved the situation for yourself. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's probably like people out there who are nurses or who have been through some experience and they're calling bullshit, but that was my experience. <laughs> well, unless they were in the room with you, I don't know that they can call bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Erica, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, so first place is if you enjoyed this, wherever you're listening to this podcast, you can go find my podcast. It's called Ooh. From Now to Next. Yes. And it is the podcast that empowers women to get seen, get heard, and get promoted. Um, but we talk a lot about these sticky floor topics that we talked today. But my other biggest platform is LinkedIn. You can find me there, connect or Instagram, Facebook. And yes, I have embarrassed myself with even a TikTok account. So, you know what? I got to be honest. Know. I love TikTok. I need to create more TikToks, but. My con my consumption of TikTok is something that I should be embarrassed about, but I'm not. Again, <laughs> right? Create before you consume. But I am creating before I consume. So I will always do my journaling and do my habit stack in the morning before I do that scroll. I, I Hand to God, I promise. But yeah, I do love a TikTok. So you're, and you're Erica Rooney on all platforms, yes? Erica Anderson Rooney. Oh. Throwing my maiden name in there because. Throwing it up. Okay. <laughs> right. Erica Anderson Rooney, we will come find you. I will link to all of these things in the show notes. 
Erica, thank you so much for this conversation. I feel like, as we said in the beginning, I feel like we can never have this conversation too many times because it's just a constant reminder that, you know, this is work that is ongoing. And if you could, I don't know, give our give our listeners one thing for the road to take with them today, what would it be? Oh, one thing to take on the road. I'm going to go back to my core values and and ask you, are you doing the courageous thing? So simple and so hard. Are you doing the courageous thing? <laughs> Amen. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Erica, so much. Oh, thank you so much. It was so fun. So much fun. Listeners, you know what I'm going to say. Thank you for spending your time with us this week, because I know your time is the one thing you cannot make any more of. And so I'm always grateful that you spent it with us. We will see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now, friends. Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at reneedallow.com forward slash podcast and connect with Renee at Talk with Renee Dallow on Instagram.